Hello everyone and welcome back to Back of the Grid. My name is Chris and I'm joined as always by Tom. Hello. And Stu's back. Hi. Hi everyone. Slightly ramshackle mic setup. Yeah, I'm I'm joining you today. I've got I'm literally bracing my mic stand between my legs as I lay on the bed at my girlfriend's house. <laughs> the joys um, of moving house, eh? Yeah, because we're moving house next week. Hopefully, hopefully moving house next Fingers week. Fingers crossed. All being well. Um yeah, it's hectic. Um, I'm really glad we spent most of last week, Tom, talking about how qualifying was going to be great, but we didn't have much hope for the race. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I mean... We were 50% right, I suppose. I mean, as classics go with this show, we talk something down and it goes up and we talk something up and it's pants. Pretty so much, yeah. We so did good. We did good. You're welcome, you're everyone, welcome. I guess. Yeah, you're welcome, everyone. <laughs> I'm nodding my head. I'm like, this is weird. This is the first time I've done this when when we've been like able to see each other while we uh, record, other than the live actual recordings that we've done together in the same room. <laughs> so this is I can't help grinning. Like if you look at my feed, I'm just going to be grinning and laughing all the time because yeah. I find it really funny being able to see. But... <laughs> Not nodding is no good though. We have to remember that this is an audio format. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, I think we should just start with start with the main course let's just start with the big stuff shall we oh yeah because i feel yeah, like it's what most of this is going to be which is the russell and bottas incident so let's just get into it um <laughs> it's a biggie oh george oh george well okay interesting um so yeah lap 32 it was a couple of laps after drs was turned back on both on dry tires um going into the sort of kink of turn one um Russell, DRS, slipstream, massive overspeed, tries to go along the outside, ends up sideways in the side of Bottas's car, both out on the spot. Ends um, up on the, almost on the inside over the top of him. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, they were both quite angry afterwards, particularly Russell. He was saying Bottas broke a gentleman's agreement about sort of not moving at the last second during DRS passes. Bottas said he from his point of view, he left enough room, but there was only really one line through that corner in the wet anyway. Um, I mean, without getting into all the stuff around it, of which there is quite a lot, the in- just the incident in isolation, what do we think? There, there was no further action taken by the stewards. Correctly, I think. I'd agree. I Tom? mean, does anyone read any significance into the participants of the incident let's let's get we'll on get to, to that let's get, we'll get to that, that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. okay forgetting who the, was in the cars yeah the so the incident itself to me from where i'm sitting from what i could see it looked just like <clears throat> it looked like driver error to me it looked like the car of russell went onto the white line lost traction and speared into the side of the car he's trying to overtake i think that's it's as simple as that for me yeah, it, it wasn't. It wasn't a move you maybe should be making in those conditions. Like at that point in time, there was a dry line, and as much as Bottas did drift from the left towards the right, he was doing that because that's where the dry line was. If Bottas had tried to hug the inside of that corner, he'd probably have had problems of his own. I mean, he'd have probably speared. Russell under brake. Yeah, probably. He would have been a similar been the other way around. around. Yeah. yeah. Um, so. 
Yeah, I think ambitious from Russell. Um, well, uh, I don't think necessarily ambitious from Russell though either. I think I, I think he 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 was a little bit far over to the right. He, he Bottas was well. Sorry, the car on the left was well within its rights <laughs> to to take the position it did. You know, he left left him more than a car's width on the for the overtake. Just so happens that that bit of the track was wet and he strayed onto yeah you know george said he's giving him a bit he needs to give him that extra bit of space to mitigate against any potential sort of weaving or movement or or error from the driver he's overtaking but you know like what does he want him to do but does he want him to just let him through <laughs> well obviously he does want him to just let him through yeah I think that, you know, Bottas is well within his rights to do everything he can to defend the position. It's his job to do that. There's there's obviously other questions around why on earth is the Williams overtaking the Mercedes? <laughs> but <laughs> Well, yeah, that's a whole other question. Um... Yeah, again, a whole other question. But I think on paper, in terms of just an incident, I'd... I'd I, he probably could have... Bottas probably could have left him a little bit more room, given the situation... Mm-hmm. But he doesn't have to do that. It's the onus is on the person overtaking to overtake safely, and I, it's to true. me, he he failed to do that. Yeah. Um, so at best, I would call it a sixty forty in favor of Bottas. So sixty percent Russell's yeah. fault, forty percent Bottas' fault. I think fifty meters earlier or fifty meters later, it wouldn't have been an issue. But the fact that they <clears throat> they crossed at that point where there's the left hand kink just in those conditions, it's just not where you want to be going side by side, is it? Yeah, I think there's a point where you you kind of reach that. Is it officially called turn one? I think it, it is, is yeah. isn't it? So yeah, like yeah. you reach that you reach that point, and there's probably a moment where, it from a Bottas perspective, he's thinking he's now not close enough to make this underbreaking. Because he's not, he's kind of, he's reached a point where he's like, I'm now going to take the racing line because he's not on it at that moment, I think. And he's expecting a DRS move to be done yeah. by that point, not after it. Um, so I, I can see why he's gone to take the normal racing line. But it, there's a bit of a disregard for the closing speeds, I think. Knowing yeah. full well the car behind him does have DRS available to him. Um, so I think it is it is a difficult one because I think that it, essentially there's there's an argument for both sides, which is why I'm sort of leaning more towards yeah. Stu's side of it's a racing incident where there, there is some fault on both parties. Um, because there's a point where George can look at this and say, "Well, I'm not going to make this," and he's going to need that dry racing line and start to back out of it and stay That's close it. enough to him to do it again next lap. There's no, it's not as sort of do or die as it has to be done at that moment. It's not the final lap of the race. It's not, do you know what I mean? We, we, it, it, we're yeah. not in that situation. I guess, but I, at the same time, on the same merit in, in George's defense on that one, it being in the Williams and being that you're overtaking the Mercedes and in your head, you, he knows it's it's Bottas, so he knows if he can get this pass done, it's it's going to be really good for him. Um, yeah, yeah. The 
all the, the, those extra factors kind of add that extra bit of spice to this whole thing, don't they? Which I, I, I think guess that's, we can get into. Yeah, I guess that's coming back to what, what I was trying to open yeah. with, isn't it? Is like, yeah. I think there is an element of who's involved to the incident. I think is if that is not Bottas, George isn't as keen to get past and isn't pushing as hard. No, well, not, not pushing as hard, that's doing George a discredit, but like he's not as desperate to make the move work there and then because it's not Bottas. And then on, vi- on the other side, Bottas is maybe more accepting of letting the move happen or at least taking it to the apex of the corner or something because it's not George. I think there is definitely an element of Bottas feels the need to defend against yeah. this kid that's De- after his seat and George feels this need to uh, like attack and get by this guy yeah. whose seat he wants. And I think yeah. that is definitely a contributing factor to the way that there's move no doubt up. about There's no doubt about that from my side. I think absolutely, I could not agree more yeah. with that. I, and think, I think just the wound up tension around those two drivers at the moment. And I think it's something that could end up simmering throughout the season actually i think i mean this it's already an episode of drive to survive next season isn't it oh, oh yeah. yeah no doubt Absolutely <laughs> they're no already doubt. writing it i mean what's weird is like you know that whole teammate to teammate rivalry dynamic that you get where that's the guy you've got to be you've got a really weird scenario potentially yeah. brewing here where like whenever these two come together on track now you're going to get that like ocon perez at racing point force india kind of vibe or something Mm. where these two are so desperate to like outdo one in one another because they know they're vying for that same seat where there's Mm. only the one seat that stuff like this might happen more often than you think if that williams stays in positions like especially in mixed conditions races like this where the williams has a better chance of that i think there's something to be said for that for the rest of the season and i think just the fact that like russell like when he came out and suggested, you know, maybe Bottas wouldn't have this to other drivers, he definitely said more than he intended to there. Because in, yeah. but in saying that, he was also kind of admitting in a way that he feels the same. And I, I, felt, I kind of feel like everything he said after the race, and to be fair to him, he, he Russell has since accepted that Bottas probably wasn't to blame and he's sort of posted an apology on social media to Bottas and to his team and about the way he handled it and basically said he accepts now <laughs> that he took a risk that didn't pay off. But... He, he, accept, he accepts that he can't go around just slagging <laughs> off everyone in the team he wants to be in. Yeah. <laughs> but I do... Most, you know, it's the most hot-headed I've seen. Go on, Chris. Sorry, I'm interrupting you. Well, yeah, that's it. I do feel like all, all the reaction we saw from him, that wasn't just the incident that was a lot of things boiling over at once that was all the frustration he feels about still being stuck at williams when he feels like he should be in bottas's seats like yeah Yeah. there was a lot more than just that incident boiling over in that moment yeah in his head that in that at that point he's thinking come on why am what why are you so slow how am i able to how am i in this car when I'm able to overtake you in what is clearly a slower car, I drove your car. Uh, I drove Hamilton's car last year. I hammered you in that. Why mm-hmm, aren't I yeah. doing the same thing? Why? Why? Why are you still there? What? Why are you in my way? Ah! I'm so mad. Now I'm <laughs> crashing into you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's um, it's it's fascinating. But as as Born you mentioned, the other side of this is the fact that Bottas was even in that situation in the first place is pretty mm. damning. 
I mean, yeah. what 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 happened? How, how was he so far back, and how was he so slow? It's I think it's just a tire temperature thing. I think he just and I th- I think the the Perez gap to Verstappen in the race was kind of a similar thing where it's just Hamilton he was able to just get those tires working those conditions and Bottas just couldn't and tires being as vital as they are it just that sort of becomes such a gulf but. It was just a bad weekend all round for Bottas, wasn't it? It was. It wasn't a good show at all. Mm. No. Um, so Bottas, where did he qualify? Bottas, let's have a look at this. Like eighth, uh, was it? He qualified. Qualifying. Goodness, just eighth lo- position. Yeah. yeah, eighth. Just while we are sort of looking at that as well, by the way, do either of you have any sort of comments or opinions on the reactions? Because I think mm. it's obviously we we have this a lot. Like it's. It's a very adrenaline fueled, heated moment, especially that situation where, and we've we've kind of defended drivers in the past for certain actions, but I mean, how do we feel about sort of Bottas sitting there giving him the finger and George coming up and slapping him around the head and like pat, pat you know on I mean? the helmet? Like, <laughs> I think everyone's got a right to be angry, but like when you first. Unbecoming yeah, is the word es- I would use. Especially of the uh, new GDPA director. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> director? Uh, yeah. Um, George Russell is one of the new driver directors of the GDPA. It's him and Vettel now. Yeah. Um, oh. How weird is that to think, by the yeah, way? Yeah, one of the youngest drivers That's... on the grid. Is one of the most there's senior a members real of logic the to, I think there's a real logic to that. I think that's a good idea. I think having someone very yeah. young who's, who's yeah, one of the young guns, is, you get both both perspectives that way mm. as, as a side note like that, that's that's a yeah, really yeah. good idea i don't think you see that enough in in general in the world never mind yeah i do like that um formula one but to the original point like when when you first saw russell going over to bottas's car it's like oh he's gonna go and check he's all right yeah. and he wasn't and you know maybe it sounds a bit over dramatic but to be tapping on the helmet someone who could well be sat there with concussion after a crash that big is not a great thing to be doing and you know yeah, it, that, it, silly. It, it is a bit silly and I mean Bottas sit there and stick his finger up to him like yeah I, I think well I think yeah I think by the time it didn't help you've... the situation but it's not <laughs> Yeah, I think you know the concussion argument. I think if you've if you've got if your compass mentis is enough to flip someone the bird from your car, then you're probably (laughs) not concussed. The mental gymnastics it needs for me to put my middle finger. I could. I don't think I could do it when I'm driving. (laughs) I really struggle with that like action. I mean, physical action. Just for the record, at that point, he wasn't driving anymore. No, that's true. That's true. But if 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 I just smashed my head, I don't think I could flip someone off. I promise you, I, I really don't think I could. I did enjoy someone in interviews after the race asked Bottas about that. And Bottas said, well, I couldn't hear a word he was saying, but I know he was in the wrong. So that's why I gave him the thing. <laughs> Whatever he was saying, he was definitely wrong. Um, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a good look from Russell, though. Um, no. it, surprised, it, it reminded me of the old uh, Verstappen stroll sort of handbags yeah, at dawn situations in Brazil. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a bit of a slap on the wrist for this. I mean... Was it Stroll? It was Ocon. It was Ocon. No, Ocon, yeah. Ocon, sorry. Verstappen ended up having to do community service at a Formula E race for that, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do, you think, do you think George Russell, can you see George Russell getting community service for this uh, outburst, Ooh. shall we say? 
I, I, could, I could see him talking himself into community service. <laughs> With George's normal persona, I could see him being like, mm. do you know what? I know I really did wrong. I need to repent. I need to yeah. give me, punish yeah. me. Give me something. He must feel pretty bad. <laughs> no, like from what like, yeah. we've seen of his personality, like, he doesn't seem like the sort of guy who, who loses it that often. Yeah, so, I mean, he gave it the proper white text on a black background social media post apology today. So you know it's serious oh, wow. when it's the just just the text on social yeah. media. What font, what, which font did he use? That would be Ooh, Arial? I'm not sure, actually. <laughs> Must have been Arial. Arial or Helvetica for one of yeah. those. Yeah, <laughs> full serious font. Um, so the, the other angle of this that I wanted to talk about. So I'm going to read you what Toto Wolf said after the race. It's a little lengthy, so bear with me. <laughs> He said, um, there's never a situation in life where one is 100% to blame and the other is zero. The whole situation should never have happened. Valtteri had a bad first 30 laps and shouldn't have been there, but George should never have launched into this maneuver considering that the track was drying up. It meant taking risks and the other car is a Mercedes in front of him. In any driver's development for a young driver, you must never lose this global perspective. Um, You need to see that there's a Mercedes and it's wet. It bears a certain risk to overtake and the odds are against him anyway. Um, the whole situation's not amusing for us. It's quite a big shunt. Our car is a write-off uh, in a cost-cap environment, and that is certainly not what we needed, and it's probably going to limit upgrades that we're able to do. So basically, you're not allowed to overtake, try and overtake Mercedes because you might break them no matter what car you're driving. Reading That's between the lines... Yeah, reading between the lines there is he shouldn't have been trying to overtake a Mercedes, and if we are in trouble now because we can't bring as many upgrades. It's George Russell's fault. And I don't buy any of that. Like no. George Russell's a Williams driver. Yeah. Whether he's got this hypothetical future seat or not, he's a Williams driver. It's his job to yeah. get the best result he can for Williams. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I agree. I don't know. I, 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 didn't, I don't like that. I don't like that from Toto one bit. No, I don't like it either. I think it's, it's just that it's the goal of it isn't it it's like it's almost like toto's embarrassed that his car is being overtaken by williams it feels like to me because they know they're in not the strong position that they've been in 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 years gone by they -hmm. know they're on the back foot and it to me it's a sign that toto wolf is really feeling the strain this season in that team Mm. and and where they are in in the running order so yeah i think i think that's kind of it's it's just no i don't agree with uh, most of that yeah it's no, just not, no <laughs> not a fan of that um Th- thomas in the chat has just said uh the most aggressive he's ever gotten prior to this was when he was almost flipped over in bahrain and he said oh my word <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. slightly turned up there for george russell <laughs> there was an interesting point from paul in live chat actually which was saying while we're talking about the DRS thing, because we did bring that up, do we think that maybe it was re-enabled too soon because of the conditions? Because we do we do generally see in those changing conditions that they they stall on reactivating mm. the DRS. Do we maybe think that another factor in it is the fact that that was enabled maybe a little bit too soon? And because that that is it's not what started the situation. Well, I mean, sorry, it's not the the whole factor, but it is what helped George be in the position he was in to a degree. Yeah, it's weird. Would he have been able to make the pass without DRS in the first place? But there's no doubt that if he had... Yeah, but it's just the race director when it's turned on and off. 
But regardless, like that's the situation on track. It's got nothing really to do with. Yeah. Well, if he didn't have his rear wing wide open, he might have had a bit more chance of holding it when. Oh, I see. I'm sorry, I missed wheeling, but missed your point there. But yeah, like like you sort of said, Tom, he maybe wouldn't have been in that position in the first place without DRS. I, so, like, I, I think generally the way race control look at it is if everybody's running safely on slicks, DRS is fine, isn't it? That's yeah. if there's a, if there's a dry line and everyone's running fine on slicks, yeah. generally DRS is back be. in play. I, I think I, like, I don't be, think it's a hard and fast rule, to my knowledge. Of be, beyond other, that, even though like everyone knows the situation, if you're defending, if you're on track and you're defending, and you know that DRS is open, and you your team is telling you, sorry, you know DRS is available, and your team is telling you on the radio the the gap to the car behind, you know, sort of that they're going to have DRS, so you yeah. know what is you you know what the situation is, and you know that they're going to be closing fast. So, yep. you know, the, the situation's the same for everyone. Regardless, like, as soon as the race, it's not. A, it's not, to me, it's not a matter of whether the race director should have or shouldn't have activated DRS on safety grounds. Um, for me, it's that was available to the driver. Every single driver who was making overtax takes at that point was going to mm, use true. it. True. So it, it's just yeah. one of those. It's the same for everyone. For yeah, me. true. Yeah. And this, this incident does really show the potential danger of the massive difference in speed that drs can generate like we've never really seen it cause issues before um the only real like drs related issues we've seen in the past is when they've got stuck open (laughs) and someone's turned into a corner expecting to have lots of rear downforce and they actually have none but and it's a long time since we've seen those as well they got on top of those pretty quick yeah they really did quite Um, expensive when that um (laughs) (laughs) just a little bit yeah um, anything more on this before we move on? Um, I think I did. So the I watched the replay like a, a number of times from a few camera angles from um, I think it was Raikkonen and from um, from Russell's camera and from mm-hmm. Bottas's camera. And Bottas's one was difficult to see on the feed that I had because it was it, was, it came to the nose cam, so you couldn't really like yeah, get a proper get started see. On that. You couldn't see what his hands were doing, and it just it, look that just there's, you know there's no put your tinfoil hat away, Chris. There's, there's no conspiracy or anything there. It's just, <laughs> oh no, it's not conspiracy. I think it's just the inconvenience of it, isn't it? Oh, I just okay. really hate when they have an onboard camera that's not the normal one, and that's the only option. It just so yeah, silly. Yeah. It's it's. Yeah, it's a bit annoying. But um, so I, I deliberately like went and found Bottas's re- uh, camera to have a look to see where his hands were, and I couldn't, I couldn't get it, like because because of the way the feeds work, I couldn't get it. So yeah. I just, it's been deleted. I, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> Tim Paul Hammer gone. FIA conspiracy. Um, it's got Put FIA Hammer gone. Um, the so I really wanted to see what his hands were doing at the time of the incident because that that would obviously give us a lot of information as to whether he did jank left, right, up, down, whatever. Um, obviously you can see he does move to the left, but to me that's almost at the same time as he knows Bottas is making the overtakes. Uh, sorry, Bottas knows that Russell is making the overtakes. So he, he, he's then like, I can't defend this. I'm going to move left to safety. Mm. It, it just so happens to be at the same time as Russell's w- wheel has gone on the white line. I don't know whether he even did go on the grass. I think he's just gone on the white line and the and the the sort of lack of grip has then speared him round and is that that's when his wheels have gone on the actual grass. 
it's mm. the white line that's got him for me for sure yeah because um, you hear the revs just like skyrocket on the onboard yeah don't you when the wheels just yeah, yeah. spin up the second it touches it so the yeah that so that the point um russell was making about the the sudden movement thing i just don't i think it's a load of crap it seemed I, I, more if anything the sudden movement was back to the left as you say as like a reaction yeah there was thing, no jank to the right for me at all like i think it was it, yeah it was a pretty smooth transition onto the dry line for braking wasn't it really but then i can't see it more than that but then when you're doing 180 odd miles an hour about 30 miles an hour faster than the car you're approaching it doesn't take much movement for it to look like a massive thing that's going to spook you a little bit so you no, can but... see you can see why he maybe felt that way because it doesn't everything happens very quickly at that speed so it wouldn't take much of a movement does, to look that way but i just think it's excuses though i think it's from looking at russell's on board yeah i, I look for, yeah it is his job because that's what race drivers do they make excuses when things go wrong <laughs> we all know that. um we've all done it um the not that we're racing drivers but we've all re- mm-hmm. played racing games and made mistakes <laughs> and made excuses <laughs> um we've all watched tom's uh thingy feed <laughs> Twitch feed. <laughs> oh, man, that, my Twitch feed is just me making excuses <laughs> so like watching the onboard mm. of Russell's car like I didn't see him make any janky movements either in response to Bottas's movement the, the only movement I saw no. was Russell trying to correct the oversteer the sudden oversteer mm. like spear of oversteer that he got to stop him going into the side of Bottas which is obviously that's the natural reaction of any driver as soon as your car starts to pitch to one side you you and you yeah. know the rear's gone you turn into the to the uh, to the to the skid so yeah um all all of that sort of janky he moved he moved too fast this that the other it's nonsense to me i think it's it's just it's covering up a mistake and it was a mistake I think the um, which reminded me. I think like the uh, FYI report said something like uh, "Car 63 experienced a sudden unexpected yaw." It's like, yeah, <laughs> you, you don't say. <laughs> um, it was Ericsson. Ericsson went into the back of him. <laughs> a sudden unexpe- unexpected yaw. Ericsson had it. a decent race yesterday in IndyCar, but that's that's entirely yeah. by the by. Um, yeah. Whole another podcast that one. Yeah, should we, should we talk about? The race at the front. Yeah, let's yeah, talk about some of the stuff. <laughs> um, to Hamilton, I think against all expectations, started on pole. He's 99th pole, um, largely only because Verstappen didn't really put his lap together in uh, Q3. But it didn't really matter. Verstappen took the lead from the start. He was, I think, one of the only ones that started in second gear, which worked brilliantly for him off the line. Um they, The two of them came together at turn one, no action taken. I think that seemed fine to me um if if anything yeah. i think i think lewis should probably backed out of that before he did i think the fact that he lost mm. a bit of front wing was it certainly it's wasn't racing. on anyone it's just else racing. yeah he was it's just yeah. racing it's 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 a turn one incident yeah exactly like classic they, they, i mean they, let's put it this way they happen anywhere else on the grid Nobody's buying an eyelid, are they? It's just turn one. Yeah, totally. So I think trying to make anything more out of it because it's them two for the lead is just trying to make drama for drama's sake, to be honest. Yep. It's it's a turn, well, turn two, whatever. It's first official turn. <laughs> first actual turning of it the wheels. It was turn two. Turn two was the, yeah. the turn number. Turn two. So turns two and three. Like, like, yeah, like I say, that happens in the midfield between 
I don't know, an Alpha Tauri and something else. Like, nobody's yeah, thinking anything of it. For example. Yeah, 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 exactly. No the, the, no those two cares. do that. Everyone's just not even looking. So it's a throwaway think... comment, and then there's a safety car. Then everyone's talking about what happened at the front again. Then, yeah. then yeah. it cuts to the replays of the start. That's what happened <laughs> in that situation. Yeah. When it, yeah. when it popped up a few laps later, like noted by stewards, I was like, oh, here we go again. They're going to find a way to to ruin the show but yeah they did the sensible thing there I you think. know what it's been a while since they've done that it's a while since they because in years gone by they could have they probably would have wrecked the show and given one of them a penalty and yeah and they not let us have the race that we all wanted to see but actually this time a bit more sensible so far this season yeah. i mean only two races in but no real stewarding complaints this season so far i don't think no, no i didn't have many last season really that i recall I feel like there were a few absolute howlers last season, but it was definitely on the whole better than years gone there was by. The, there was the Tuscany um, safety car lights thing. Yeah, that, was, uh, that, that That's not really the stews though, is it? That's more race That's director. race control, isn't it? Yeah, and I have, yeah. I have some yeah. race control complaints to get to this podcast, but... Oh, we're deep, <laughs> deeply sidetracked. Almost, let, let's avoid this. We're on the precipice of a yeah, real Yeah, we really are. Um, yeah. Mercedes reckon that front wing damage was costing Hamilton about two tenths a lap. Um so I guess the fact that he managed to keep the in fact he was closing the gap up quite quickly before the pit stop. So if if that is true that it was two tenths a lap, that's pretty impressive. Um obviously he was able to change the wing later on through all the shenanigans that went on. Yeah. Um I don't know about you guys, when Verstappen pitted first, I was certain they'd that at that point I was like, oh good, Red Bull have found another new way to throw away a, a victory this season. Yeah. It's gonna be that every race, but I mean, it wasn't helped that Hamilton had a slow stop, but um, it, Verstappen was quite handily in the lead, actually, wasn't he? That I was, I was really expecting Hamilton to have the pace at the end of the life of those dry, uh, intermediates. Mm. It felt I mean, a bit yeah, like I'm, Turkey, didn't it, where he like the intermediates were starting to wear away and almost become yeah, slicks. but he was still able to work work them as slicks. Like I was just about to say, like it wouldn't be the first time we'd seen yeah. him manage to pull something like that off. So yeah. Someone was asking me at the weekend actually about how um, if if the tire wears down to a slick, is it is it just like having a slick? And obviously, there's a degree you got more grip because there's more contact patch on the ground. But like, there's a, you're limited on how long that you're very limited on how long that'll last because mm. there's a much by the time you get down to that bit of the tire, there's a lot less rubber left before you get yeah. to the canvas. Yeah. You can't also it it's long. a different. It's no, no one knew as good a quality compound either. Yeah, is exactly, it at that point? exactly. Tom, you took the words out of my mouth. It's a, the compound is different, so it's it's very easy to muck it up at that point if you don't drive yeah. it away. And yeah, um, so it's not necessarily a good thing to be on a slick intermediate tire if the people around you are on slick regular tires. Yeah, we then had a rare mistake from Lewis Hamilton. Uh, locked into the hairpin, trying to lap Russell, ended up breaking his front wing um, and had to reverse out of the gravel. Um, I mean, it's which quick... took him ages. Yeah, it, I mean, it was quick thinking though. Like if he tried to, but basically, once you're moving in the gravel, you have to just keep moving at that speed, don't you? Any change in speed, yeah. and you're just going to sink. So he did well yeah. to get it out. Um, he was really. I think he looked like he was really reticent to reverse too far back in case he, uh, in case he got beached. Yeah. In, back in the because he, yeah. he looked like he was going to try and reverse back and then go forward again and then back again and then but like he then he just, just eventually just in, aren't you? 
Yeah, and then he just eventually just carried on reversing until he got on the track. Mm. Some people seem to try and make this into oh. was this George Russell's fault? Like, it it no, wasn't. Not for me. Like yes, yes, Russell stayed on the dry line, but he was also giving Hamilton the inside line for the corner, and he was ready to go around the outside to let him go past. Like ultimately, Hamilton just came in a bit too hot, and he said himself he was just trying to go too quickly at that point. Um, yeah. yeah Russell was just desperate to get in contact with all of the Mercedes. <laughs> yeah. He wasn't long after just that, was it? The, the trying incident. to commit career yeah. suicide weekend. Yeah. <laughs> it was just desperate. Um, yeah, so Hamilton rejoined in eighth. Um, obviously, he was helped by the restart. We've got a few questions about that we'll get to later, but just sort of scythed his way through the field to get back to second place. And I think watching him do that after seeing Bottas just make no progress through the same cars for the first half of the race was, it was a very, it's a very telling yeah. sort of two halves of the race from Mercedes point of view. Mm. I know it's not exactly the same situation, but yeah, different tires, different, track, it's, basically a different surface. It still emphasized the difference in those two drives. Yeah. Though. Yeah. I mean, I, I certainly wouldn't see, I couldn't see Hamilton, suffering the way Bottas did if it, if no, it was the way no around. So. Um, yeah, great recovery drive from Hamilton, but ultimately Verstappen was fastest just all weekend. He was yeah, just completely on top of it. And I think the most exciting thing is that we've been to two very, very different tracks now. And yeah. the um, Red Bull and Mercedes have looked very, very close together at both yeah. of them. I know from memory as well, last week when we were previewing, that was kind of one of your concerns a little bit, wasn't it? That if mm. anything was going to undo Red Bull looking good, it was the fact that it was a very different type of circuit and would they yeah. would they hold on to that? But yeah. This it it's... bodes so well for the rest of the season. Yeah, like it, we didn't want to get too excited after the first race because it's like it's only been one race at one track. It could be very situational, but touch wood, it doesn't look like it's going to be that way. I mean, if yeah. you want to be a pessimist, it, it, it was mixed conditions. So does it count? <laughs> True, but in then in qualifying, sense. like qualifying was dry. Yeah, what was it like I, the yeah, top actually, eight were covered point. by less than half a second or something? Like, yeah, yeah, that was amazing. Yeah, that is fair well point. the top. It was literally like the top. I think thirteen in Q one were within a second of each other. <laughs> yeah, amazing, mad. That isn't it? Really is. Um, Hamilton nicked the fastest lap towards the end, which means he leads the championship by that single fastest lap point, which is very exciting for the season to come. Yeah, that, yeah. I was thinking about that at the end of the race, like when they started to talk about the fastest lap, and yeah, Hamilton did get the fastest lap. It could, you know, this could be one of those seasons where it comes down to who gets the most fastest lap. Mm, I was about to say yeah. that, like, since I brought that rule in, it's never really it felt like it's played that much of a part, but yeah. It really feels like it could this season. This is yeah. the one, <laughs> hopefully. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I mean, if it if it does, then what a season we're in for. You know, oh, how yeah, exciting absolutely. would that be? I mean, that's kind of the aim, isn't it? For fastest lap to make a difference. You know that if fastest lap is going to make a difference to the season, mm. then you've had a belter of a season. So, And I've yeah. said ever since that rule came in that there's going to be a situation sooner or later where the leader bins it towards the end of a race trying to go for fastest lap and yeah. maybe this is the season we see that happen because they are yeah. they're important points every point is going to be vital this year let's yeah. let's talk about lando norris oh, he let's. was brilliant um just all weekend he was 
super fast. He should have really been in the top three in qualifying. It was only because he had that final lap deleted for track limits that he ended up so far down. Um, he really was seemed to be beating himself up about that after qualifying as well. He was, yeah. But, mm. He was really hard on himself. I mean, he was like a millimetre off, wasn't he? That's the yeah, sad but, thing about it. Do you know what? There's not four temps in a millimetre, is there? Either? It was a bit harsh. <laughs> to be fair, though, for all the track limit shenanigans last race, I had no complaints about it this race. If I have one complaint, it was the fact that some corners <laughs> use the white line, some corners use the red, white, and green, which seems ridiculous. Yeah. But what that is mean, that about? Yeah, it's so ridiculous. But that just being use said, the white line for the track, the actual track. Like, yeah. use the actual white line for the actual <sighs> yeah. track. Like, how have they convinced race control or the the organisers that it's we actually want that the, tra- middle, the track and then that this, bit as well? Yeah, I just, mean, it's it, it yeah. the Italian flags, do you? Oh, is that what it is? I mean, it says a lot, though, when a video game by Codemasters can be more consistent with track limits than than the actual sport it's simulating. It's probably a lot easier to keep track of on the game (laughs) than it is in real life. Um, I suppose. That being said, though, like as as weird as those rules were, they set them out before the weekend and everything was judged by those rules for the weekend. There was never really any complaints about the deletions and stuff. So it was an improvement for sure. Um, But yes, as I said, Norris started eighth. He worked way up to fourth, very much helped by the team asking Ricardo to let him through. I think without that moment, (laughs) he'd have been probably nowhere near the podium. Um, He felt like quite a big moment in that relationship at McLaren as well like Ricardo is the experienced driver coming into a team and yes mm. it's only second race with the team but it, it, for them to ask him to let Norris through was like I, I think, think it, though it was very clear who was the quicker driver it in was, that situation it was. it was it was you know it's not like there was a, any gray area to it. it it was really obvious that Norris was and he has yeah. been much quicker all weekend and the team you know the team know that uh, Imola is one of those cars that really rewards confidence in a car, mm-hmm. and in order to have that confidence in the car, you need to have been driving it well. You need to be quite well embedded within the team. And there was a trend across all of the uh, all of the experienced drivers who have joined new teams. Um, they were all slower than their teammates. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, because the the on pace experience yeah. on track is one thing, but experience in a car yeah, itself point. is something exactly, different. Yeah. Which is and a plus, good point. you know, like it, most of the F one drivers probably haven't in recent. Most of the more experienced F one drivers in recent years probably haven't spent that much time at this circuit because they've yeah. been doing F one races. And it's no you know, last year was the first year since what nineteen ninety no two thousand two thousand six was the last two thousand and six was the last. Um, Oh, what was it? What was it? Mon- uh, San Marino. No. San Marino, thank you. Yeah, it was, that was the last San Marino Grand Prix. Yeah, so like a lot of these older drivers, their open wheel experience just doesn't include, um, in, in recent years, doesn't include Imola. Whereas the younger yeah. drivers like um, Norris, he, I think Norris won a few races in um, Formula like, Renault or, or some yeah, lower like Formula. He won a champ- I think he sealed, a cha- he sealed a championship, I think, at Imola. Yeah, I've read, that sounds familiar. Uh, that being said, Sonoda spent a lot of time at Imola recently and he didn't do him a ton of good. Sonoda's <laughs> <laughs> um, a proper rookie though, isn't he? Sonoda is like yeah. the rookiest of the rookies, I'd say. Yeah. yeah. Of, the, of, uh, the proper, of the proper drivers, I would say at least. Anyway. Yeah, definitely. But we'll not um, get into who's a driver and who isn't. 
<laughs> Back to Lando. Um, yeah, so he inherited third place when Hamilton went off. Um, at the restart, he was one of the only ones that went on the soft tyres, which helped him get by Leclerc off the line. Um, he was actually right on the back of Verstappen for the first couple of laps, which is exciting, but obviously the Red Bull has a lot more pace in it. Um, I kind of expected him to just sort of make Hamilton's life fairly easy when he caught up with him, but like it worried me that he was losing time fighting Hamilton, but also it was really good to see him you know, sticking his elbows out a bit, like yeah, rubbing yeah. shoulders with the big guns. And he did a really good job of it. It was really clean, solid defensive racing. No, not at all. Um, but yeah, held on for third place, his second um, career podium. And just like, it, it wasn't situational really this time. Like there's no one, no one that finished behind him. Like did, who, who do you normally expect to finish ahead of Norris? Like Bottas? Even without yeah. the crash, probably wouldn't have been there. Perez, yeah, yeah, nowhere. Um, he beat the Ferraris on pace. Like that was a legitimate. Yeah. He was yeah. the third fastest yeah, yeah. driver there. I think he. I think he had a shot at pole. I think. Yeah, I totally. really think he would have. He could have. I don't know. I don't know what the actual time was he that was, got deleted. Uh, he was where it would have put him. Well, they they reckon overall it would have been third on the grid, don't they? I think that's yeah. his and McLaren's understanding of it. I, I can't remember the time that got deleted because I don't think it'll show up anywhere, will it? Unless you went back and watched the full session. Yeah, you'd have to go back to, yeah, the, to go back and watch no, the that's, session. That's been but, sent to the yeah. FYI vault. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, he's in there with Bottas' onboard footage from the crash. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's in the vault. Under lock and key. <laughs> it's like that um, it's, it's that warehouse at the end of uh, Indiana Jones. <laughs> yeah. Top it's man. being taken by top men. <laughs> I love how Chris got that. Just as, oh. <laughs> um, yeah, he was just just like super impressive though. Like, yeah, he, he's, yeah, he's got to be just... He's, to, like just think to the future where it's going to be him Verstappen and Norris fighting for titles between the three of them I think and probably Russell, Leclerc Ferrari Leclerc, yeah too. like yeah very exciting he's just getting better and better as well it's, yeah, it's really see, good to see we just need all the old guard to disappear and let them have good seats <laughs> yeah I mean to be fair Nor- Norris has potentially already got one of the good seats it's, yeah. it's like and Leclerc, the grid, Leclerc potentially can if Ferrari keep getting their act together, but like, yeah, you want Russell and Co moving up. Now, yeah. In all honesty. Um, I'm going to start rattling through a bit quickly because we've, we've got to like the second or <laughs> yeah, third point been, on the list. We've been and we've... going for a while, haven't we? Already? Go, go, go. Um, <laughs> Perez, he was really good in qualifying, started second, and that's about all the good things that we can say about his race. Um, <laughs> lost, he went off on the opening lap and lost uh, third place to Leclerc ran wide in the safety car and lost a couple of places and then just overtook and took them back again. To which everybody instantly yeah, went, weird. you can't do that, Sergio. Like A driver of his experience. Yeah. I don't know so what ridiculous. he was really thinking. What was then. he thinking? Yeah. yeah. Um, so that yeah. was obviously a slam dunk 10 second penalty. Then he was chasing the Ferraris later on and dipped a wheel into the west of the Villeneuve chicane and spun into the gravel. He did keep it going, but came home 11th. Um, not said great. He, on his radio over the line, he said, he felt like he drived like an idiot today. I mean, His I'll, words. I'll, I'll let him <laughs> judge that. Yeah. Then, um, yeah, not just not a great day all round, really. Um, again, throughout the weekend, he looked like 
fairly quick at home with the car. Um, Ted Kravitz said something interesting, actually, going back to the long discussions we've had about the Red Bull not necessarily suiting other drivers. Um, I think it was it was either Perez's first pit stop or at the um, red flag, he asked for more front wing on the car because of the way the conditions were changing. Ooh, right. And he basically went a bit too far with it. And actually, no, sorry, it was Anthony Davis at the point in the out. He showed a few onboards where the front end, because he had some extra wing at the front end, was so bitey. The second he was turning to corners, the back was just trying to overtake him every time. Yeah, it's creating nervousness. Yeah, sounds he, horrible. Yeah, so it's... It's definitely still very much a front-end pointy car that Max yeah. Verstappen likes. Maybe just half a crank of front wing rather than a crank. Yeah, than the full one. Uh, Ferrari, pretty decent weekend. Fourth and fifth, despite Leclerc not having a radio for most of the race. And Sainz seeming to spend... I don't know how Sainz ended up in fifth. I swear the first half of the race, every other lap he was having some kind of adventure <laughs> that wasn't on the track. <laughs> but yeah, I... I don't, uh, you didn't really see much of the Ferraris, did you? On the broadcast, it was it was all that was kind of yeah, just went about their business a bit, didn't they? Yeah, there was a quiet race, but quietly sort of decent performance, yeah. really from them. I yeah. think they'll go away fairly happy after that. Um, yeah. Aston Martin won't be happy. They had no. brakes on fire on both their cars on the way to the grid. Um, didn't change battles in time, so we had to start from the pit lane. Vettel eventually retired with gear sync issues. Stroll, to be fair, had a pretty decent recovery drive to come home in the points in seventh, but things aren't happy at Aston Martin, are they? And then especially with this constant complaining about, oh, you've changed the rules and it's not fair because it's hurt us more. Yeah, it's getting a bit boring, that, isn't it? It is, yeah. I haven't got much time for that. No, it's like, well, you know, the the rule book's the same for everyone. Yeah, and ultimately the, the... they keep saying it's it's hurt the low rate cars, which is us and Mercedes. It's like, well, Mercedes are getting well, maybe. on with it. I don't see Mercedes complaining. I mean, yeah. I think my my biggest argument to that is probably the McLaren. Yeah, because the McLaren is traditionally like maybe, maybe they have made adjustments to compensate, but they've that's that's it, isn't it? They've made the adjustments mm-hmm. to compensate, and if yeah. If the team at Aston Martin, at all racing point as it was, didn't have that foresight, then that's just unfortunate mm. for them, I isn't it? Like, the advantage, probably, you know what though, what they're saying probably does ring true because if McLaren already did, McLaren have been high rate concept for a, quite a while, and now they've got yeah. Mercedes engine in the in the back of it. Suddenly they've made it; they have made a proper jump. Yeah, I think. And- we we were talking about it last week as McLaren themselves believe it's what was it, Chris? Like seventy percent engine, thirty percent new aero philosophy. I think that's something like that. Is, what is said, where yeah. they're attributing the gain that yeah. they've had between this season and last season. Well, that that diffuser they've got on it is quite special yeah. as well, yeah. isn't it? Let's not forget. So, um, the fact that McLaren have now got the Mercedes engine in it and they've got their own aero concept, whereas. Aston Martin are using the sort of Mercedes aero concept, shall we say, <laughs> and the uh, and the Mercedes engine. They probably don't have the same capacity to develop out of that yeah. situation as what Mercedes do. Yeah. So 
You can then... see why they're upset, but at the same time, it's you know the, the counter argument from most teams is probably going to be, well, you should have designed your own car then. Well, so... yeah, exactly. They're, they're going to struggle to find much sympathy on that. I've grid, just aren't they? triggered so many Vettel <laughs> fans and Stroll fans, but I'm I'm sorry it's... about that. Yeah, it's it's true though. It's yeah, yeah. They just got to go on with it ultimately. Um, I think I think as a what is now considered like a, a a factory team to a degree, like a manufacturer team, however mm-hmm. you want to put it, like in the position that they're in with the money that they're saying they're they're going to be putting into that team as Aston Martin, and the way that um, Stroll Senior has kind of bigged up how Aston Martin as a brand are back in that team, it's a little bit it's a little bit of an easy cop out to go oh well the rules don't suit us like it's not I, I don't think maybe they should have just kept stum and just like got on probably, with it rather than bigging yeah. it up as much as they did yeah, yeah. I, think I think stoicism would probably be a more winning route for them at this point yeah. than yes definitely what they're doing yeah yeah uh, Williams next um, I mean on paper it doesn't look like a great weekend for them but <laughs> Both cars in Q2 for the first time since Hungary last year, and it was quite a gap before that as well. Um, they, they looked pretty well on the pace, um, like dry qualifying and wet race. They had decent pace. Like It looked like they were going to have at least one car in the points, maybe even two. Um, then obviously the Latifi spun on lap one, then made contact with Mazpin just after he rejoined. Um, yeah. Yeah, that was a Which, bit of a shock. I mean, nothing to do with Mazapan, really. It was no, all, not all. That was, was all Latifi. Yeah, it was. It was. He was. It, it, it smacked a bit of. Oh no, I've made a mistake. I'm going to try too hard to rectify it now, and ended up making it worse. Um, yeah. And obviously, Russell, we've already discussed um, a lot of positives to Williams, though. I think, despite the result for them, uh, hopefully, that um, like chances like they got this weekend don't come along every day for a team sort of in their position, but hopefully there will be more that they can, that they're in a better position to take advantage of them than they have been in recent years, put it that way. Yeah. I yeah. think this car is probably one of their better cars of the, of recent years. So mm. I think, I, I do think they'll get some, they, they should get some points this season. I think all being well, mm-hmm. I think next race might be pushing it. I'm not sure they'll get points in the next race because it's probably going to be quite windy and apparently their car doesn't like wind. Yeah, apparently. Less. Again, that's every Formula One car, so I don't know. <laughs> really going for sympathy. that. No um, sympathy. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I'd like to see them score some points this season, and I think they will. I think that might just very quickly touching back on it, but I think that might have also been a huge source of some of George Russell's frustration. Is I think he said it himself at one yeah. point. Like it was a big opportunity for them as a team to pick up some points and I think he felt a little bit responsible as though he'd thrown that opportunity away for them and although he maybe didn't say it like that at the time I think that was maybe a big part of that whole frustration and outburst of that situation is because I think he does carry a lot of weight for Williams on his shoulders for such mm. a young driver that's not really been on the grid that long in the, in the grand scheme of things um, absolutely I think generally he deals with that pressure pretty well. So, I mean, fingers crossed that they can find themselves in that position again for definitely. Yeah. A couple of other bits to mop up. Um, Alpine got their first points as Alpine. Um, and it was Alonso's first point since Singapore 2018. Um, <laughs> so Alonso 
got those points as a result of a couple of post-race penalties. Um, the first one was Stroll got five seconds for passing Gasly off the track, which was a really nice, clean penalty because that five-second penalty, all it did was swap Stroll and Gasly back around to the positions they were in before the off-track overtake. So that was really nice and clean. Then Raikkonen got a 10-second stop-go, which they converted to a 30-second after the race. And it's because he, after the at the restart, he lost some places behind the safety car and he didn't regain those places before the start. Which seems a weird thing to get a penalty Wait. for when Perez earlier in the race got a penalty yeah. for when he did regain the places. Basically, it's there are different rules about overtaking under the safety car depending on why you're under the safety car. So because Perez did it when it was like a safety car for safety reasons, he wasn't allowed to overtake. But because Raikkonen didn't regain the places at a race restart... He got a penalty for basically because he didn't regain the places he was supposed to go into the pit lane and start from there. And even the stewards who gave out the penalty in the report said, we accept that this seems really weird and contradictory. That's um, ridiculous. It that's is. the most... It also... The other weird thing is... absolutely mad. The thing that bothers me the most about it is it's 10 second penalty for Perez when he did his infringement under an actual safety car for safety reasons. And, and then Kimi two cars. Yeah. And then Kimi gets yeah. a stop go when it's just a procedure thing, which gives the impression that breaking safety Procedure's rules isn't as important. bad. Yeah, exactly. Which <laughs> yeah. is the opposite <laughs> and, of what it should be. And it's just mental. The, the other the other thing <laughs> as well is like Perez is doing it to regain positions and Raikkonen's doing it because he feels like he's lost those positions and needs to stay behind those cars. Well, yeah, exactly. because, because the precedent's like, been set earlier in the race, yeah. his yeah. team are probably saying to him, whatever you do, don't overtake anyone. Yeah. <laughs> bizarre. It's just absolute it's madness. So bizarre. That's, that's, yeah. They need to tidy that up. That's a right mess, that is. Yeah, it's, it's oh, very dear me. That yeah. might be uh, my WTF, that one. I had I mean, some others lined up, but I think that's that takes the cake, that. Well, let's get, let's get into the awards then, shall we? Now you've teed them up. Yeah. Uh, we'll start with driver of the day. I mean, I might, it's I might Norris, sound fanboy, it? but it's going to be Norris. It's got to be Norris. It's going to be Norris. Yeah, I've, I've got an excuse for why it's not um, Verstappen as well. Oh, he on. he nearly binned it at the restart on the uh, on the warm up lap. Is that the one where oh, he yeah, sort of did. got on the inside on the yeah, crash yeah. on the inside? Yeah. So that's yeah. the excuse I'm going to use for giving it to Norris. It's nothing <laughs> to do with the fact that we're all Norris fanboys. And it, <laughs> also, Norris was far more entertaining in the race than what. Verstappen yeah, he was, was brilliant. Speaking of which. Move of the day. Norris. Can you think of anything better than Norris in the wet, up against the pit wall, passing two people at once? Yeah, three that, people. I mean... three, he got <laughs> Gasly as well, but Gasly got him back. Straight oh, away. Oh, yeah, because there were like, four he, cars he, in there once, yeah, weren't there? Yeah, there were yeah, four yeah. cars all together. Yeah. yeah. He got three down the straight. And uh, he, yeah. he got ahead of Gasly, and then Gasly outbreak sort of, well, it was just like a bit of a tussle into the turner, and, and he wasn't quite fully ahead of him. Um, so Gasly got it. I know he's like, like he's reading the chat. I think Chris, Chris, is, reading Chris is, chat. is definitely enjoying Roxy's gift in the live chat. For the record, for for the record, for everyone listening, <laughs> it's good. it's the it's the Lando Norris look over the shades gif, which I'm sure most of you are very strong, familiar with. Strong gif. Well done, Roxy. That's really good. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's really really good. <laughs> right, and the final award. Honestly, what the f- are we doing here? 
So we've already mentioned the inconsistent safety car rules. I've got another one. Oh, go on. Go on. Remember the rule where after a red flag, it's another grid start? Yeah. Yeah. And apparently Michael Massey just went, nah, not this time. Actually, no. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, we won't what? do that this time. Can he just do that? Like, yeah. Especially after, to be honest, I was looking at the conditions. I was expecting a safety car start at the start of the race. And we got a proper grid start. And I was like, oh, you know, fair play. He's, he's, he's letting us have a proper grid start. And then halfway through the race, when it's significantly drier, it's like, no, no, <laughs> do be on the safety car. But why? Yeah. Why, why did he just get to change his so, mind? Like, yeah, it, it, see, it does seem weird. I think it was because there was a dry line and a wet line. If you've got some cars on a dry line breaking a lot, slowing down mm-hmm. a lot quicker than other cars on a wet line or a half, or half and half, then there's potential for cars sort of spinning. And you, you could have a situation like IndyCar yesterday where you've just got cars spinning around everywhere yeah. and climbing all over the back of each other and causing real problems and potentially hurting people. Yeah. So there, I think there is a logic to that. There is, it is a different circumstance to what the start was and arguably a more dangerous circumstance because you've got a varied surface on the track. Yeah. And Which... when you've got potentially like you know three or four cars side by side two or three maybe then that's just a recipe for absolute chaos which okay i completely agree with that tell us tell us that's why it's happening don't just have the commentators go oh i guess michael massey changed his mind (laughs) yeah yeah like that's that's fair yeah it's yeah i found that very bizarre um other WTFs, I'm sure I had something else in mind. There was a graphics. They said that Perez had a stop, 10 second stop go penalty, and it turned out to be a 10 second um, just time penalty. Yeah, there was a lot of taking a long time to give out the penalties as well, wasn't there? Like Vettel, Vettel's penalty was for something that happened before the start, and it took about a third of the race for them to get around to giving him the penalty, which seemed a bit unnecessary. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Especially for something as obvious as like you have to have the wheels on the car with five minutes to go. The wheels aren't on the Duh. car. Let's yeah. let's give it forty minutes and then we'll give him a penalty. That, yeah, yeah, that smacks of someone in the midfield grassing him up though to me. Like, <laughs> like they've missed it and <laughs> someone sir, from sir. like yeah, look someone what he from Alpha Tauri or something's yeah. gone and oh, you know, did you see that? <laughs> so I mean, the, to be fair, the, that's not a bad point. I'd not actually thought about it like that, but. That is what goes on up and down the grid, oh, isn't it? Yeah, like yeah. they're all like, on the phone to the team, teams wait and see, and then if they if they know they've got an angle, they will make that call. Yeah, um, they're all dropping each other in all the time. Yeah, that's like, part of the job. That's part of the yeah. sport. <laughs> so yeah, I never even thought about it like that. There you go. Insight. Um, <laughs> I think the standout for me is just the inconsistent safety car rules. Unless you've got anything else in mind. For for me, it's um, yeah, it's the same thing. I think you, you've not. I don't think you can beat that. That's really like, really bizarre situation. For whatever you do, pinnacle of mo- pinnacle, pinnacle yeah. of motorsport, everyone. Really, whatever you do, don't overtake under the safety car. Oh, okay, cool. Why aren't you overtaking? <laughs> <laughs> it's mental, isn't it? Absolutely mental. We, we don't. Do you know what we don't have, to my knowledge, that could be worthwhile? That is obviously part of for definite Formula E but I believe other motorsports as well and that's that direct connection from race direction to driver Uh, radio mm. because you get a lot of, I mean it's only very simple messages but you get messages from race direction 
warning the drivers, this is a full course yellow, do not overtake. And so on. And like just to enhance yeah, they the, down the visual. Even, don't they? Yeah, yeah. And, and stuff like that. And it, it, like if race direction and stewarding had that kind of basically to, to Raikkonen of you need to retake those positions hmm. um, and then to the other two drivers, you need to allow Raikkonen to take the position back. Problem solved inside like 10 to 15 seconds and they, they can make that happen instead yeah. of this weird rigmarole that we've been through. Yeah, because by the time uh, yeah. the team have seen it happen, gone to the stewards to yeah. discuss it, got an answer, got back to Raikkonen, he's already past the... Yeah. yeah, but there's quite a few, probably quite a few things Formula One could learn from Formula E, but that's a whole other episode. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> uh, should we yeah. move on to predictions? Yes, yeah. I'll run through these. Here, here we get some funny inconsistent rules as well, to a degree. <laughs> oh, or, no. or rules oh, that people God. can question at least. We can't rules. just sit our... here being critical of the FIA. <laughs> yeah, but our exactly rules are consistent this. and yeah. written down well, I swear. <laughs> now, so um, for the three of us, we'll quickly just run through it. Uh, Chris and I both ended up with two points this week uh, because of the same things which is a Verstappen win and 16 finishes Stu just the one point but that was for the 16 finishes as well um, oh, Stu I feel for you because you like went Verstappen and Hamilton but the wrong way around yeah so I, I do thought feel you, for I you thought you were going to say you can feel for me because I've been sat in the same position <laughs> on this bed with this microphone and I've got to lift my laptop off the bed to stop it overheating as well <laughs> <laughs> yeah I feel for you for that as well um in terms of listeners, we had a lot of people manage to score three points this week, but that was the highest. Um, I say a lot of people, there were, there were 10 people. Um, and the majority is either Lewis and Max with a Latifi first DNF or Lewis and Max with 16 finishes. It's basically that combination. Um, so well done to everyone who's done that. In terms of overall standings, um, I mean, it's early doors, but we have quite a few people. Uh, we've got... Oh, Julian Prestis, Felipe Gergel, Alistair Cornwall, Charlie Ray, Aaron Anderson, Alex Taskov, Om Lakani, and Nate Everett, who are all out in the lead at the moment. But there's still a long way to go this season. Two races of 23 gone. Yeah. Um, huge number of people taking part this week, though. So I've got five points then, haven't I, really? Hmm. Again, you'll have to discuss that with our, uh, our resident <laughs> I mean, webmaster. Over, you mean overall? Overall, you may have. Yeah, overall. <laughs> um, Not this episode. In in terms of the questionable nature of it that people may be scratching their heads at right now, by the way, is I mentioned 16 finishes. Now, the way our rules work are a car must finish the race to be considered a finisher, and it is the number of cars that finish the race, irrespective of if they do enough distance to be classified. So the situation, some people may question, but is in the rules, is that Sebastian Vettel didn't finish the race. So even though he was classified in 15th, he didn't yeah, finish. Yeah, he retired. He entered the race in the pit yeah. box. So, I think so do, there were, there were 16 like, finishes. It's something like if you do more than like 80-odd percent of the race, you're classified or something like that. It's yeah. Yeah. Na- na- nine, 90%, 90% race 90, distance. Yeah. Uh, Which yeah. is, again, a really like flaky rule isn't it for formula well, i mean one. you could de- de- depend on the situation there's the feasibility to get points because like in terms of his position vettel didn't finish the race but because ahead of the hasses didn't he? yeah but because the hasses didn't have enough time left to unlap themselves by classification standards he was ahead of those two which is why it may seem a little odd 
Um, but we have our own weird nuances, just like the FIA. <laughs> <laughs> we only care about cars that actually cross the line. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. So that is that. Um, That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I have to say on that, man. <laughs> cool. Shall we move on to some inbox? Yes. Is. Uh, keep it saying now. Stay, stay up. Box, box, box. Hey, man. I really okay. want to see both your faces <laughs> for the end of that there <laughs> to see what you do. Oh, this is great. I love it. Um, uh, I've grouped a few together for the first one, so I'll just quickly do them all at once. Yeah. Uh, Guy Thompson says, how can a driver be a lap down in ninth place halfway through the race and still finish second? Sam Van Heppen <laughs> says, Lucy's recovery drive is bloody awesome, but he was basically a lap down, which was luckily for him undone by the red flag. I know this is normal and all conform. Uh, to the rules, but he basically finished the race before Lando, but having raced a lap less, should this rule be reviewed? And Tom Knoll says, it seems that allowing the lap cars to unlap themselves before the restart is a bit unfair, as it takes away the lead of the cars that have not been lapped. Hamilton was over a lap down before the red flag, and after the restart, only five or six seconds behind. Um, while it was a good recovery to drive, I don't think he'd have got higher than P5 or so, if not for the red flag. Hmm. Discuss. I mean, it's a slightly awkward one because I do understand the reason that they put this rule in, and that is to get the lapped cars kind of out of the out way of, the of way. those on the lead yeah. lap to yeah. allow them to race. Which is more so important. There is logic to why it's done. It's the same reason they do but, it with the safety car, isn't it? Yeah, um, but it's yeah because otherwise yeah. on the grid you'd have like fifth. You could you could potentially have like last place starting in p2 on the grid yeah. because of the nuances of the rules so it, it i think it it makes much much more sense to do it where they do it is an unfortunate byproduct of the way they do it but i think the yeah. cost of that by byproduct is more than met by the fact that you get the actual leaders of the race yeah. actually racing each other yeah. at the start at the restart so um, and um that's that for me in terms of the number of laps completed, they do actually do the same number of laps. So before the restart, all of the lap cars go to the front of the pit lane and go around and do a lap. To, and that's kind of the lap that unlaps themselves. So in terms of distance driven, it actually does balance out because obviously there's yeah. things like fuel and tires and stuff to take into account. So although it's a slow lap round to the grid, they do actually yeah. do the same number of laps. That's, that's an interesting thing though because what... Is there anything that states that if you're more than one lap down, you've got to go do well, that's a good all point. those laps? Because I don't, I, I feel like we might have briefly talked about that before. It's one to look into. Yeah. If you're two laps down, in theory, you've got to do two of those laps, haven't you? I think if you're two laps down at that point, they probably don't care what you're up to. It's like, <laughs> yeah, they, as, long, as long as you're at the back, then it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're done with you. Just, just go to the back. <laughs> Um, it's worth pointing out as well that if after the restart you then go on to be lapped again, then obviously you would finish one, you would complete one less lap than everyone else because you've been lapped after. Yeah, the it's just kind of yeah, yeah, resets. Which is why you'll see Haas as plus one lap in the uh, standings of this race just gone by. Shall we do the next one? Go for it. <laughs> um, Duncan Monday says before the crash, Toto was getting onto Bottas to to get a move on. Is this a sign of growing frustrations with the number two driver and potential opportunity for a mid-season promotion <laughs> for Russell? It might have been. I mean, <laughs> it, it will have been until he had an unexpected experience mm. of yaw and yeah. torpedoed into the side of him. That yaw, though. <laughs> that yaw. Oh. So yeah. unexpected. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's... I don't see Mercedes doing mid-season. No, I don't think they will. Um, it is funny seeing Definitely. them in the opposite situation to last season where, well, I mean, it quickly wasn't the case, but at the start of the race, it very much looked like it was Hamilton versus the two Red Bulls rather than Verstappen versus the two Mercedes. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I will say this season, though, there, it, it does raise a good point because this season, if Bottas continues to be this bad, then it is going to put Mercedes into a position where they need to start thinking about sort of the the, the constructors championship and whether or not they're mm-hmm. going to lose out. So you know, it's a it's definitely a valid question. Yeah. Um, historically, obviously, it's not the kind of approach that Mercedes have taken, but maybe this season, if things start to get down to the wire and Bottas are costing them a lot of points. You know, they might, they might even after the events of this weekend. I don't think, I actually don't think this weekend's going to have a huge bearing on um, George Russell's career. I think no. he's done more than enough already to show his potential and and his deserving of that seat. I do think that Bottas really, really needs to book his idea up if he wants to remain secure in that seat yeah. for the entirety of the season. If he continues down this path, then we actually could. I, I and it's and it stays as close as it is. You really actually could see them looking to uh, re- find a replacement. Yeah, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Um, Motorsport now from Twitter says, "How much impact will Russell's behaviour after his crash impact his future?" Obviously, he's still uh, got a Merck seat eventually, but will Toto want to see more maturity from George before he signs him? Uh, and on a similar note, Udit Kishore, I hope I pronounced that right, uh, says, after their coming together, can we assume that Bottas and Russell can never be teammates at Mercedes, especially mm-hmm. as they promote a harmonious, harmonious mm-hmm. environment there? I think the only way those two be teammates would be if Hamilton retired end of this season, right? Like a shock Rosberg style yeah, retirement. Um, of, I'm just going. Bye. I think I I still think that anything less than a world championship isn't going to be enough for Bottas to keep that seat next year. Ooh, I've just seen a very harsh comment in live chat. Latifi and Bottas should swap from Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's that's a very Red Bull style maneuver, that mm-hmm. isn't it? <laughs> Latifi <Hey>. Bottas swap. <laughs> um. Yeah, I think I think the more important thing for Russell is how he deals with the aftermath of all of this, and it seems like like I bet Toto has already had a quiet word with him, and uh, yeah, one one bad weekend doesn't undo everything he's done up until this point. Yeah, no. it's not going to be quite in the Renault Clios just yet. <laughs> that was. So I think. Good. I think. I think as well, like anyone's entitled to mistakes as well. It's about how you come back from them. I mean, yeah. come on, we we watched Lewis Hamilton go into the gravel and then, uh, like, kind of give it full beans, thinking he was going to be able to spin it round and take the nose off in the wall mm. in this race and have to back out of it. I mean, that, crazy race, pre- actually. It is a pretty significant <laughs> mistake from someone that we hail as, like, being pretty good at handling those kind of situations and getting out, getting out before it gets that bad. So... I mean, mm. everyone's entitled to something. It's about how you come back from it, for sure, for me. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, next, Lewis Jones. Do you reckon if McLaren had put mediums on Norris after the red flag, he could have held on to P2? Um, maybe. I think the thing is, for me, 
I think if he had had mediums on, he maybe wouldn't have been in P2 in the first place. Yeah. I think the fact he's on softs were a big part of him being able to get past Leclerc at that point. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, I think they got the right strategy for their car and on and their race. I the yeah, moment. I didn't think so at the time. I, I was really worried he was just gonna fall away towards the end and end up dropping yeah, yeah. like to fifth or something. But yeah, they actually got that decision spot on. I think. Yeah, and he it was well managed by him as well. Let's not forget, like you know, he would have yeah. had to do a lot of tire management to keep those tires in the window to keep him to keep him competitive and for you know for him to defend i thought it was gonna i think you alluded to it earlier chris i thought he was gonna rag his tires defending against hamilton and then you know i was really nervous watching those last few laps Mm. to see what what leclerc was going to do behind him but in the end the the ferraris just didn't have the pace to catch him up in the end did they so it was like i'm enjoying watching you fight hamilton but also you're losing time and wrecking your tires in the process but he didn't he did Mm -hmm. exactly what he needed to do it was it was perfection it was actual it was yeah he was I mean, there's a reason we gave him drive of the day, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Fanboy alert. <laughs> um, Wesley Paul says, Gasly, most underrated driver of the day. He went from absolutely the wrong tyres, he did, <laughs> to finishing in the points. That's he did, he finished point, seventh. Actually. Yeah. So finished, yeah. Quietly finished seventh, Gasly, yeah. Um, just, just like plodding around on wet tyres, just doing absolutely Holding nothing. everyone up. Yeah. Yeah, holding loads of people up. But then that's part of it, you know. I think that obviously he's been helped massively, massively <laughs> by the race stop and the safety car yeah. and things. But yeah, I mean, got to be in it to win it. And yeah, I forgot yeah, about him actually. He was, yeah. He, he did he, a lot he, better than a lot of the other rest of the grid. So. He did. I mean, I mean not dissimilar to the way he won a race though, right? He... he <laughs> It goes well here as well. Like, I mean, we talked about it on the preview. Like, he was doing well last year until things kind of uncontrollably fell apart. Yeah. Like, it wasn't his fault, and he had a good weekend up to the point that that happened. And again, like, a bit of a bad tyre situation, but he's made the most out of the opportunity that he's then been given after that. Um, I mean, I am starting to think that Alpha Tauri, with the way that the car's been lately, with the with the Honda engine in it, and you know if Red Bull de- carry on developing it the way they intend to, could Al- Alpine that have been sniffing around him be a mistake for Gasly? You know, and we've mm. talked about this. Like, if Ocon doesn't book his ideas up, Alpine is surely going to start sniffing around trying to sign Gasly. Uh, could that be a mistake for him if he ever did? Yeah, it? it's, it's just as a thought. It's an interesting one. The trouble is, there's only so much you're ever going to be able to achieve at AlphaTauri, and unless he genuinely believes there's a chance of getting back into a Red Bull, which I don't think there is, I think ultimately he has to move. Whether Alpine's a place to move to is a different question. Um, I mean, yeah. if, I think if he keeps shining at AlphaTauri, he's he's got options at other teams, mm. it, given if given they have to have the seats, obviously. If I were a team, so he'd be high on my shopping the- list. I mean, have to join the Beluga boys. (laughs) (laughs) Like you can, what I'm getting at as well is, I guess you can get out of that Red Bull program and get in a in a like world renowned team like Ferrari, ask Carlos Sainz. Like you can make Mm -hmm. you can make your way there. Yeah, it's true. So yeah, and yeah, yeah. Then good performance in the midfield do get noticed. (laughs) Like like you say, Sainz is proof of that. Definitely. 
Yeah. Uh, last inbox for this week. Uh, Jay Alexander says, "Does anyone know what the rules are about reversing oh. onto the track during the race?" Um, I had a I had a near heart attack when I saw Hamilton reversing back onto the track, as I was under the impression it was illegal to reverse on a live track. Don't um, be that guy, Jay Alexander. This is more. This is more asking for clarity. <laughs> no tinfoil hats here. I'm kidding. Yeah. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But, <laughs> The, I mean, the thing that you, you cannot do that's an instant DQ is reversing in the pit lane. Yeah. Which yeah. I think is where some of the confusion yeah. has come from. Yeah. Uh, um, because there is, there is a rule along those lines that, that you're thinking of there, but it is more to do with reversing in the pit lane. Yeah, in terms of on track, there's no rule. The only, the only rule around it, even close to it, in terms of the rest of the track, is just rejoin the track safely. And yeah. mm. from what um, I think it was Anthony Davidson's again was saying, like he's gone and listed the onboards and the team radio and stuff. And like uh, Bono was like constantly on the radio updating him about like the gaps and who was coming up behind him and stuff and like yeah. advising him through the whole thing. So the stewards were satisfied he did that in a safe fashion. Um, like I, I think it's it was Vettel's onboard I saw. There was quite a big gap and Vettel was the car that came around just he was rejoining the track and he was like, well off the racing line, Vettel had plenty of time to see he was there. So, yeah, there's mm. there's there's nothing, no shenanigans really there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, the the other significant bit of having an incident and not being able to rejoin is if you need an assistance from stewards and stuff, which infamously kind of all came about. Not stewards, sorry, marshals. Yeah, but that that infamously all came about back in late eight. Late eighties, wasn't it? It was Senna. It was Senna getting pushed in Japan, wasn't yeah. it? And that that was where that like kind of reached its point of well, this is a rule, you know. Because <laughs> I think when um when Perez broke down on the formation lap last race, um as he was like getting it restarted and the marshals were coming over and he was going no 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 don't touch the car don't yeah. touch the car because yeah. he knew like the second he got a push he'd be yeah not be able yeah. to do that. That's yeah. the ultimate hazard, isn't it? Yeah, let, it's like a game of tag. Over eager marshal. Yeah, yeah. If, I mean, he, if a marshal touches your car, you're out of the race. I mean, it's not surprising at all, is it? Even if a marshal lays a finger on it, then they're probably disqualifying. It is. Yeah. It is. We didn't really like go into it, but like, it is crazy that Hamilton kept going at all, let alone finish second. Like, there's all this talk about oh, Imola's a proper track; it punishes mistakes, and Hamilton's just like, nah. I'll just reverse out of that. Hmm. Like Hamilton still hasn't had a DNF since. He's like Austria two, three seasons ago, I think, his last DNF. Like infallible. He's consistent. Like yeah, he's obviously the quickest out there, but his consistency is like the thing maybe as much like to his success. It's ridiculous that he just always manages to get a result. Yeah, his point point finishing is obviously impressive as well. Yeah, really. Just is. on the basis of we've, I mean, we've talked about it before, but like to like go down a lap or to the back or whatever it might be due to an incident, and because yeah, fair enough. There's an element of it's a very good car, but there's there's still people that you've got to fight your way through. Yeah. And when they're racing you for position, when they see that Mercedes coming up behind them, there's very few people who are going to go, "Oh, that's Lewis. I best let him through." It's more, oh. Lewis is here. If I can stop him, <laughs> then what's that like? That's going to increase my stock. If he yeah. can't get past me, how much better do I like? How yeah. the eyes are on me. Like, it's there's nobody balance. going to give him an easy time on no. that grid. It's at, a balance, at all. isn't it? 
because it depends where your tires are and where your cars are yeah. at that point. Like you're not gonna, you don't want to lose the actual race you're having by fighting someone who you're really not racing. Yeah, true. So there's there were one or two. Well. I, d- I did see one or two that you just sort of got past because they didn't really put up a fight because they hmm. knew the yeah. inevitable was going to happen. But and they were fake yeah. racing people. That is that is more bigger. But, but then again, that's also experience as well. Like yeah. that's drivers that's that racing. Like I mean, Raikkonen's Ry- an absolute classic for that. Like Raikkonen always knows who he's fighting yeah. and when. Even if he can't see them on track, he knows yeah. who his fight is against yeah. and when. It's very rare you hear an engineer updating Raikkonen on like the car behind you is so and so thirty seconds, and this like he he knows that kind of thing on his own. It's it's impressive. I mean, when you've been on the grid that long, I suppose it's expected. But <laughs> his, his yeah. awareness is pretty impressive. So yeah, big time. Um, I think that's a lot, though, isn't it? Um, yeah, I think we've done all right there. Wraps us up. Yeah, two all right there. Two very very good races. It bodes well, doesn't it? We've we've sort of tried <laughs> not to talk this coming season up too much, but so far so good. I would say. Don't do it. <laughs> Don't jinx it. Um, but yes, thank you as always, everyone, for joining us, um, and thank you to our patrons who've joined us in the the live chat for the live recording of this. If you wanna join in with that you can go to our patreon and you can uh join for as little as what is it two dollars a month i think the lowest one and you can get involved yeah, in the discord the and all the other fun things we've got a lot of cool stuff lined up there uh special thanks as always as well to our team principals uh narayan hamari mark mcneil and wesley paul uh, as for other ways to get in touch with us, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all those things by just searching Back of the Grid. Or you can go to backofthegrid.com where there's a contact us form and you can also see how you did in the predictions league there, um, see where you're on the table and sign up for the next race if you haven't already. But I think that is everything. So thank you again for joining us and we'll be back in a week's time to preview Portugal. Is that right? Is my internal calendar right there? Uh, two weeks I mean, yeah, you've got the right race. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Either way, we'll be back next week. <laughs> I hope we're not going to do a preview now and you've just realized it's next week. <laughs> it's at least two weeks. We're fine. <laughs> I can see Stu going to <laughs> the mental gymnastics. Scared. Yeah, like, uh, nah, very next week's a preview. This week, you're, you're, safe. you're safe. Cool. <laughs> we will speak to you then. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.